Good morning, everybody. How are you all? Listen to these wonderful words written in the book of Philippians by Paul in the second chapter, in the verse, verse 8, 9, and 10. We just sang, Blessed be His name. Paul writes this about our Lord. Being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, it says, Therefore God highly exalted Him and bestowed upon Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, those who are in heaven, those who are on the earth, and those who are under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Truly blessed is His name. We have the greatest privilege. Don't you? Does it ever overwhelm you at all? I, I, I grant you, there's times where I feel just kind of um, blah. You know, you know, okay, another Sunday. And then there are times when I just overwhelmingly, the presence of God, that, that God is just so magnificent and so awesome. Now, I know He's that all the time, but I think sometimes our feelings, you know, we can just be kind of blasé about our faith. And I pray that that's not, uh, not the indication for your life this day. Thank you so much for being here, all of you. How are you guys doing? All right? Thanks so much. Thank you for being here, every single one of you. It's the start of summer. I guess summer's already pretty much going. Thanks for being here, every single one of you. Thank you so much for coming. All of you here, thanks. And you guys, and thanks so much for being here. It's very kind of you to come. Thank you so much. Love you so much. Um, it's kind that you come. You know, really, you could be doing a lot of different things. But here you are in church, and, um, and I pray that God will bless you. I pray that with all my heart. You remember last week we, we kind of talked about, it, it, you might even want to look at in your Bible in Romans 8, 28. At the end of this service, by the way, I'm going to have a, a slideshow. Uh, we are. I, I, I have nothing to do with it except I'm going to introduce it. But it, um, we were supposed to show it right now. But here's how miraculously God works. Our whole theme of our, our church has been over the last few years, pass it on. Pass on what you learn. Pass it on to the next generation. Well, the message today is pretty much pass it on. Paul has gotten to um, Rome now, and he is there under tremendous circumstances. Uh, never take it for granted. Never take it for granted the things that you go through in your life. And when you read about someone like Paul, don't take it for granted that, you know, <clears throat> here he is, as we're going to note in a, a little while, I asked you to turn to Romans 8.28. I haven't forgotten. But I, I, we're going to make mention of this after a little while. But, but here Paul is. Uh, everywhere he goes, they want to kill him. And for what reason? Remember, we, we pleaded with us about this. For what reason? Just because he wanted to share his faith and that his faith is different than their faith? What, why would they want to kill him for that? But they want to kill him. And so there are mobs, angry mobs that come after him. Don't take that for granted. He lived his life under that pressure. And then his, his, his um, I think it was his nephew, if I'm not mistaken, heard some men over, 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 overheard them saying, listen, we're not going to eat any food. We're not going to drink anything. We're gonna, we make a vow. We're going to fast until we kill this guy, Paul. We're going to lay wait in ambush. And so he runs to his Uncle Paul. He says, Uncle Paul, he says, these guys want to kill you. They're going to be in ambush. And so Paul tells him to go tell the centurions. And he goes and tells 
Don't take that for granted. Paul is living under that pressure. And then when he gets on the ship, what happens? 14 days, 14 nights, they don't see any sun. They don't see any stars. They don't know where they are. They're being tossed and turned by every, every whim of that sea that is violently tossing them everywhere. They end up in Malta. On that whole process, for 14 days and 14 nights, Paul must be wondering, what's going to happen to me? Don't take that for, for granted, the things that you're going through. And then when they finally get to dry land, when they, when they finally swim to shore and they don't know where they are, they ended up on an island called Malta. When they finally get there, Paul picks up some, some branches and twigs to throw them on the fire and boom, a snake bites them. All of these things come about. And in Romans 8.28 we are told, For we know, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord our God and to those of us who are called according to His purpose. And see, what we learned last week and what we're going to learn again this week is that whatever it is that you and I are going through, whatever it is that has kind of got us in this this feeling that our stomach is all kind of, uh, you know, in turmoil and, and what's happening in my life, we can know that God causes all the things that you and I are going through. He will cause them to work together for good to those of us who love Him and to those of us who are called according to His purpose. And what we see in the life of Paul today is we're going to take a look at this great place in, cha- in, 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 in Acts chapter 28 is that God has caused these things to happen in the life of Paul so that he would somehow, some way get to Rome and, and share his faith, the faith of this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who came to earth as a Messiah to give mankind eternal life for all that would trust and believe in him He has given Paul favor to come to Rome so as to present this message to the people in Rome. What happens because of all of that, we don't know. All that we do know is this, is that Paul will teach us that through loving our Lord our God and being faithful to our calling, God will cause all things in your life and in my life to work together for good if we will simply love the Lord our God and know that we have been called according to His purpose. That's one of the problems of that verse. One of the problems of that verse is people want to take the end of that verse and say it's according to our purpose. It'll happen good for us. No, that's not the way this verse reads. This verse reads that we are to love God and things will happen good according to His purpose. Whatever He desires from your life and my life. He will allow it to work together for good. And so as you read with me in in Acts chapter 28, turn back there please, Acts chapter 28. I want us to read from verses 11 to 16. Next week, it it is, I pray with all of my heart that we will close out this great book. Um, It is a a place in scripture that is a, a call to salvation. And we will probably have that type of a service next week. If you have a friend or someone that you, uh, you would like to, to, to share Christ with them, and, and uh, if you can somehow get them to church, I promise that I'll try to be that uh, go-between between you and them and, and, and share the wonders of Christ next week from the Word of God. But let's read from verses 11 to 16. 
It says, at the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island, that's Malta, in which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprung up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus, we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. We'll stop there because I want us to take a look at, at how the people, the, the, the Lord God had people meet Paul at every station, every place that he stopped. And he had people there to encourage him. One of the greatest ministries in your life and my life can be the the whole idea of the ministry of encouragement, of building each other up, of being a person that would want to encourage and build up rather than to tear down. And I, as we're going to see, and I, I, I want to say to you now, and I'm going to say it again, I think that this church is wonderful on that behalf. People who build each other up, encourage one another. It's one of the greatest, greatest gifts that you and I can pass along to another person. And as we're going to also see at the end of this service is we're going to see a, a slide presentation of our young people, how we pass along the wonders of Christ to that generation. It is my wish that someday that the funds will be that we could have a, a movie, a video of it. As it is, we're going to have slides, and we're going to be able to see people. You'll recognize young people from, from vacation Bible school, from the preschoolers on up to our high schoolers. And you're going to see that over 200 young people went through the experience the last couple of weeks that we had with VBS and, and uh, our, our summer programs and summer camps. And, and, and so many, I think 15, came to Christ and 22 rededicated their lives. And we're watching the whole process of, of us being a church take shape as we encourage the younger people amongst us. And so let's, let's pray and let's ask the Lord God to bless this particular time. Lord, I was reminded as I walked up here about uh, Greg Laurie's son who um, just died in an automobile accident. So we do lift up that family. Um, I can only imagine what that must be. I, um, it's, it's overwhelming. I pray for others here in our own congregation that have loved ones that are going through deep, deep waters. And I pray, Father, that you would use this message to bless each of us. I pray your blessings, Father, upon your word that we have just read. That you would open up our eyes, dear Father God. Open up our hearts and our minds and our thoughts that we might behold and comprehend wonderful things from your word. Teach us, Father. Move me aside, I beg of you. Move me aside. Let us, let us really not even notice who might be speaking. Let us rather hear from your heart to our hearts. Bless us, Father. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I'm going to come back to Romans 8.28 a couple of times. It's, it's really a great place in this, in this scripture. We know this, that God causes all things to work together for good. 
to those of us who love Him, to those of us who are called according to His purpose. It seems like, to me, it would be imperative for your life and my life to understand what has God called us? Why is He... Why has He set us aside? Why has He given us life this time? At, at this time, and, 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 and why are we alive? And, and why do we run into the people we run into? It was some, some months ago, uh, maybe even yeah, months ago, that uh, I told you uh, that I got a chance to share with a young, young girl who was a waitress at a place. And the other day, a bunch of us went to this restaurant, same place, and lo and behold, there she was. And... and uh, I'd asked her, you know, had she come to church? And she, you know, sheepishly said no. She says, you know, I'm really busy on Sundays. And I said, that's all right. We're open on Saturday night, you know. And um, she said, well, it seems like the only time I get to church is when somebody gets married or someone dies. I says, what? what do I, I'm already married. Now, what, do I have to die for you to come to this place? And I asked her again to please come, to consider coming. And... Um, I don't think it was an accident that we happened to eat at this restaurant, that she happened to be working that particular shift because she normally, it was we ate at, at lunch and she normally is there at nighttime. And then today I came to church this morning and I thought everything was fine and I forgot my shirt at home. I wear another shirt so that I don't get this as wrinkled to keep it as nice as I can for you. And uh, um, so I had to run home and get this shirt. And so as I was coming down the, the front of the house and I opened up the door to go to my car, a very beautiful young lady was walking this dog and she said, Pastor John. And I said, hi. And she said, do you live here? And I said, yes. And she said, I live right over the next street. And she said, I'm just walking this dog. I just adopted this dog and I'm kind of taking it for a walk. And she says, where are you? Where's your church now? And I in an instant thanked the Lord that I had forgot my shirt. And I realized then and there, that wasn't an accident that I forgot my shirt. God wanted me to bump into this very beautiful young girl who was out walking her dog. And so I told her where we're located and invited her to church. And she said she's going to come. And I just, things like that happen. God causes all things truly to work together for good to those of us who love him, to those of us who are called according to his purpose. It really behooves us to understand what is his purpose in our life. Well, let's get to this message because... I want to get to the end of it. I, can, I can't wait to get to the end only because I want you to see the young people and what God is doing through your life. You know that many of you donated money. There were some families that had young kids that they couldn't send them to camp. They didn't have the funds. And so many of you gave extra money, put it aside in this fund so that we could invite a, a whole bunch of more kids to come and to be with us. And I want to thank you for that. You're going to see what took place and how God has used this church, you, to build into a life of another person. But let's take a look at this place in Scripture. Take a look again at the 11th verse. It seems to be almost a throwaway verse. Actually, that and verse 12. But verse 11 says, At the end of three months, they were in Malta. They stayed in Malta for three months. There we learned that Paul started a church. And we even learned that that he started the church. If you look back up at verse 7 in chapter, chapter 28, this guy Publius, who was uh, the leading man of the island, history tells us that, that they started the church and he became the first pastor there. 
So after being there for three months, they set sail, verse 11 again now, on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island. So at the island of Malta, there was this Alexandrian ship that was going to eventually go to Rome, but they were going to wait until winter was over with. And Luke tells us so much. This whole trip is really chronicled by Luke. He tells us that there's, there's this ship that has twin brothers for its figurehead. Now, what does that mean to you and me? Not, not much, except that there are twin brothers who are called Castor and Pollux. They were supposed to be, supposed to be, they were just Greek mythological characters who were the sons of Zeus. Here's what they were. They were gods who protected sailors on the high seas. Don't you know that these guys that had no belief or trust in God wanted to get on a ship that had some mythological uh, uh, figureheads that were going to carry them through this water after the last experience they had on the seas. And there this ship is going to take them to Rome. Now, Verses 11 through 16 allows us to know that the storm is over with. Winter is over with. They waited three months, and the north wind called Iraculo, which, which caused this havoc on the sea, is now over with. And now they have a gentle southern wind that is blowing through that area. Therefore, the last leg, the, the trip from Malta to Rome is almost anticlimactic. There's smooth sailing. There's warm reception at every port, which is very important for you and I to notice. Take a look at verses 14. Well, no, first, let's take a look at verse 12. In verse 12, it's a very simple little statement. It just simply says that they went through Syracuse. And they stopped there for three days. Now, that would seem like nothing, nothing at all except that history teaches us and tradition tells us that during that three-day stay in Syracuse, Paul was supposed to have founded and planted a church there. So for three days he's there and he gathers together whatever believers there are there and then I'm sure led some other people to Christ and by three days puts them in a house and puts a guy, a pastor over them and starts a church there in Syracuse. So Paul is always using whatever it is, whatever he's going through for the cause of Jesus Christ. So the storm is over with. Therefore, the last leg of this journey is, is anticlimactic, except, except for something very important in your life and my life as believers. Let's read. Look at verses 14 and 15. Well, in verse 13, they sailed around, they went through Regimum, the, they, then the south wind sprang up, and then they went to Puteoli. And this is in Puteoli, in verse 14, they found some brethren, and they were invited to stay with the brethren there for seven days. Then they sailed there to Rome. Once they came into Rome, look at verse 15, and the brethren, when they heard about us, in other words, the brethren in the area of Rome, came as far as the market of Appius, which is about 43 miles from Rome, and also three inns, which was about 33 miles from Rome. They walked there to meet us, it says in verse 15, to meet Luke and Paul and the rest. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. Over and over again, over and over again from Scripture, let me remind you the importance of of being an encouragement to others. Paul was deeply moved by their display of love. We read from verse 15 that 
when he saw them, he thanked God and it gave him courage. Now I want us to take a look at three different places. Find 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then to the right of 1 Thessalonians, a few, a few books, just a few pages, is Hebrews. I want us to take a look at those three places. I wanted to major on this whole thought of encouragement because I believe the one thing that you and I can do, regardless of our age in the Lord, not our age as a, as a human being, but rather our age in Christ, whether we be a young believer or a new believer, or someone who's been a believer for a long, long time, we all have the ability to encourage one another. And there is no greater ministry in your life or in my life than to be an encouragement within the body of Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writes, he says, You are a witness and so is God. In other words, what I must say you're a witness to and God is a witness to. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we have behaved toward you believers. Verse 11, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you, note, as a father would his own child. Let me stop. It's very personal, but let me stop there. Quite a, about a year or so ago, I was at my son, my wife and I were at my son's and, and daughter's home, John Mark and Jennifer. And my son was holding his son, my grandson, Dylan, in his lap. And he was fondling over this little kid. And this little kid was just cooing with his dad. And he was kissing him and telling him how much he loved him. And he said, look at this guy, Dad. Look at him. Look at this kid. And I said, oh, man, I don't know when I've seen a better-looking kid, son. And my son looked at me and he said, now I know how much you love me. Yes. I thought that was one of the great things in my life. That statement there, you know how easy I cry. I I started to cry right there in front of my son. It was a a statement of statements in my life as as a father and now as a grandfather. Now I realize how much you love me. And Paul says to you and to me, we're to implore one another We're to encourage one another. We're to exhort one another just like a father would or a mother would, their own child. And for what reason? Look at verse 12. So that, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You see, one of the greatest ministries in your life and my life, and you don't need to be a theologian, you don't need to go to seminary to encourage another person, to be someone who exhorts another person, someone who implores another person to walk in a manner worthy of their calling in Christ Jesus. You and I have the privilege of doing that. And I tell you, when I thought about that, I turned to another place. Look at first. Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, and I thought about you and me as a church, and I'm thinking, we're doing it. This church is doing it. It says, therefore, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, therefore, Paul writes, encourage one another 
build up one another. And then he writes, just as you also are doing. And I want to say to you, the reason I read that verse is because I believe that's true in your life. At least if you're not doing it with anyone else on this campus, you've done it to me. So much so that I feel enough. I mean, you're so kind to me. You encourage me at every turn. And hopefully you encourage me in a way that I would walk in a manner worthy of my calling. When I tell you I love you, there's another reason right there. You people are so encouraging to me. And you so build up this body of Christ. Just as you are doing. Just as we have done, you and me. Those of us that could afford, could help support some of our young people go to these camps. Now I want to fi- finish. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 10. Hit, finish the thought about encouragement. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. It's just to the right. Maybe five, six, seven, eight pages. Not far. You go past uh, Timothy and Titus and um, what else? You're in first Philemon. That's it. Then you'll come to Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews allows us to know how we are to encourage and where we are to encourage. Now, it it can happen anywhere. I I grant you that. But look what the writer of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 tells us. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. And he tells us how to do it. Look at verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. In other words, he says, come into church, whether it's now in the summertime when many people are gone uh, but, but, or, or on vacation of some sort, but, but when, when we come to come to gather together to meet with one another so that maybe we can encourage one another, it says, not forsaking, verse 25, not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some, but rather, he says, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It appears that this encouragement happens within our gathering together within the church, that we can encourage one another, lift up one another, implore each other, exhort one another, so that hopefully you and I can walk in a manner worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. Now, let's turn back to the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. We are told just simply that they go through Syracuse, but that's not just simply a statement. That sounds to me through tradition that that that's mentioned because Paul founded and planted a church there. They went from from Syracuse, they sailed around and they went into Rigamon. And then a day later they went by the south wind came up and they, they went to Puteoli. And there it says, there in Puteoli, some Christians invited Paul to stay with them for several days before he left that that place to go to Rome. And once Paul got into Rome, we learned that the brethren in Rome, verse 15, when they heard about us, about Paul being there, they came to see him, to encourage him, to build him up. They came as far as the market of of Appius, which was a a 43-mile walk. And the others came from three inns, which was a 33-mile walk. And when they came there, they encouraged Paul in his faith. They, they, They made him feel 
important enough that this is why he's in Rome, to do whatever it is that God has him to do in Rome. And so in verse 16, when finally Paul rests in Rome, we see because he is a Roman citizen, more than likely, he is given his own lodging. In other words, he is under house arrest. He's still in chains, but he's not in prison. He's still under guard as they have a guard around him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but he's not in prison. He is given his own lodging. Verse 16, when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. And so immediately Paul had people come to his place. He couldn't go out of that place, but people could come to him and he could begin to minister in what was the most influential city at that time, Rome. But yet Paul is in chains. Nothing is going to stop Paul from ministering. Look at verse 20. It's kind of just to show us that Paul still is in chains. It says, For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you. In other words, you come to me. I couldn't come to you and to speak to you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. Paul is still imprisoned. And yet we see because he's still in chains, nothing stopped Paul from, from, from being someone that wanted to reach out and do what God called him to do. Paul knew because he wrote, all things work together for good to those of us who are, are loving the Lord, to those of us who are called according to God's purpose. God's going to turn things to good. In chapters 27 and 28, We saw God reveal His blessings upon faithful Paul. But, not just faithful Paul, but for you and me. The same thing happens to us. I mean, we're not that much different than Paul. I don't think any of us here will ever become all that Paul is. Uh, That's not a a hope. Uh, I don't even know how to say it. It's just, it's just, and it just probably is not going to (laughs) happen. It reminded me, when I was uh, when I was in, in in at opening day Dodger Stadium, if you could ever imagine, you know, if you if you if you love baseball or you love sports, what it must feel like opening day when you you're in your uniform, you got your glove, you got your hat, you're all ready to go, and there's going to be the opening game. And I'm like I'm like a cat on a hot tin roof. I'm going to start this game, and I was there since noon, and I am pacing, and I go to the I go into the training room and laying down on one of the training tables is Junior Gilliam sleeping like a little baby. <laughs> and I'm nervous as a cat. He's this veteran. And he heard me walk through there and he opened up his eyes and says, what in the world are you doing? He says, you're spending all your energy. We've got a game to play tonight. I said, Junior, I can't settle down. He says, come here, come here, come here, relax. He said, let me give you a hint. He says, don't try to run like Maury Wills. You can't do it. You're not that fast. He says, don't try to hit a ball as far as Frank Howard. You can't do it. You're not that strong. He says, but rest in this. For some reason, they asked you to come here to play third base. He said, you just be the best that you can be. And that will be enough. That was great counsel. I only stayed in the big leagues a couple of weeks, but <laughs> nonetheless, that was great counsel. You and I might, probably won't be like Paul, 
But what we can be is the best that we can be. And when we are called for a purpose here on this earth, when we are called to be blessed by God, we don't need to compare ourselves to Paul. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us that Paul calls himself the chief of all sinners. He was a sinner just like you and just like me. And so when we read that God blessed Paul, we can rest assured that if we've been loving the Lord and called according to His purpose, He will cause whatever is happening in our lives to turn out for good. Just as with Paul. In chapters 28 and 27, we saw God bless Paul and how God will bless faithful people. He blesses us by surrounding us by kindness, people who are kind. Now, I could give testimony, I'm sure you can, of people who are, have been kind to you here at this church. Look at chapter 27, verse 3. Paul is guarded by this guy that is called Julius. He's a centurion. In verse 3 of chapter 27, it says that the next day we put in at Sidon. And Julius, now Julius was guarding Paul. Julius, it says, treated Paul with consideration and allowed Paul to go to his friends and receive care. God blessed Paul through the man that was guarding him. Look at chapter 28. Look at verses 1 and 2. When they miraculously got to Malta, and now they've come, swam to shore, it says in verse 1, when they had been brought safely through, we found out that the island was called Malta. Note, the natives showed us extraordinary kindness. Because of the rain that had set in, because of the cold, they kindled the fire and received us all. Kindness. Look at verse 7 of that same chapter. In the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island. His name was Publius. He welcomed us and entertained us courteously for three days. God, through His blessings, will allow kindness to come into our lives. God, in His blessings, will allow you and me to be kind to others. Not only that, God blesses us by meeting our needs, both physically and emotionally. Look at chapter 28. Look at verse 10. When they left Malta after three months, it says in verse 10, they, meaning the ship and the crew and all that were on it, Luke and Paul and whoever else was there, they honored us, Luke writes, with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all that was needed. God did that. God supplied His faithful servant with all that was needed. That was physically now, look how he supplied Paul with what he needed emotionally. Look at verse 15. When Paul got to Rome, verse 15 says, The brethren, when they heard about us being there, they came from as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. They met his needs physically as well as emotionally. Gave him courage. Also, God will bless us through His protection. Look back at chapter 27. Remember I said to you, Paul was kept from angry mobs, 
Paul was kept from being ambushed and put into death. Paul was kept from storms, not, not from the storm itself, but, but kept safe through the storm. He was kept from the shipwreck, and he was kept from a deadly snake bite. You and I have no idea how many times and how many ways God has protected us over the years that we have lived here on this earth. And look what, look what Paul understood, knowing that God protected him. Look at, at chapter 27. Look at verse 22. It says in verse 22, And yet now, Paul speaking to those men, I urge you to keep up your courage. There shall be no loss of life among us, but only of the ship. Because, he says in verse 23, This very night an angel of the God whom I belong and the God whom I serve stood before me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. In other words, all of these guys on this ship, they're going to be safe too, Paul. Therefore, it says in verse 25, keep up your courage, man, because Paul says, I believe God. I believe God at His Word. It's going to turn out exactly as I have been told. God protects you and me until He wants to have us home with Him. He will watch over us. I believe that Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20 says it best. It talks about the blessings of God. It says a faithful person will abound with blessings. God will cause all things in your life, in my life, to work together for good to those of us who choose to love Him and to those of us who are called according to His purpose. Now, as we close this particular place in Scripture, before we see the slides... I want to talk about the historical events of, of Acts. Acts covers the expansion of the church from its birth in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. From, from Jerusalem it moved to Judea, from Judea it went to Samaria, and from Samaria it went out to the uttermost parts of the known world at that time. It's just exactly what God said was going to happen in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. When we studied this, this, this book and started this study, Many, many, many months ago, Jesus Christ said to the apostles, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, even to the remotest parts of this earth. And in this beginning of the church, as we see in Acts, we, th we see the expansion of what we know now as church today. And we see it in a couple of very important ways. Number one, it moved from Jerusalem to the whole world. We're part and parcel of that. We need to thank God for that promise. Secondly, it moved from being an exclusively Jewish inst institution to becoming a church that embraces all people from all walks of life. Rich or poor, whatever race, we are all welcomed into the kingdom of God. We are all welcomed into the family. And so through the tireless of efforts of Paul and others, churches were formed. Churches were strengthened. Churches were given gifted leaders. And churches were protected from false teachers. And Paul's bold and uncompromising preaching of the truth of God and only the truth of God. He would not compromise from what it said in here. He held true to it, earned him many enemies. And folks, I can say to you today with, 
with the sincerity of my heart, the same is true to those of us today who will not compromise teaching the Word of God. There are some that just don't want it to be taught that way. They want to have their ears tickled. We will not stand for that. God would not stand for that. And so as we prepare to see some of these photos of our youth, I want you to listen to what was already in my notes before I knew of this slideshow we're going to see. I was reading through a commentary by one of my heroes named John MacArthur. Um, I know him, and I know him primarily because my wife and I married at his father's church in Eugene, Oregon, and my wife and I sat under his teaching for the year that we lived there, and it was it was absolutely glorious, wasn't it? It was like um, I, we couldn't wait for the church to open up on Sunday. We were there. Couldn't wait for the church to open up on whatever mid, midweek studies were there. We were there. It was so much fun studying the Bible with Dr. Jack McCarthy. And his son is just one of my heroes. And as I was reading through the commentary on Acts, see if this doesn't sound so similar, what he wrote of what we decided to do a couple of years ago as a body of believers. John writes this, The story of the church did not end at the death of the apostles. Not at all. Near the end of the first century, the apostles, note what he writes, the apostles handed the baton of faith to the second generation of leaders who in turn handed it on to others after them. As a result, John writes, the church's history, its acts, are still being lived out today through those of us who cherish God's Word, namely you and me. As we pass along the truths that we learn to others who will in return pass it on to others after them. As you're going to see next week, this 28th chapter ends abruptly. But the fact of the matter, it doesn't end. It is still going on today, in and through your life and my life, and until the Lord comes back. We are still living out the book of Acts right now. We are to pass along the truths that God has so greatly given to us to the next generation, which leads me to show you the slide program now instead of at the first of the program. You can see, pass it on, you could see how we don't really kind of choreograph what's going on in this church. The Lord does. We just go through the Bible and we come to a place in Scripture. My message had, I didn't know what the slides were about. Um, one day I hope that we will have videos where you can kind of see and hear uh, what, what's going on on the campuses. But there was... I was told that through Vacation Bible School, VBS here, there was hardly a, a space that wasn't being used by the young people here. When our fourth through sixth graders went to their camp and when the junior hires and high schoolers went to their camp, just, I mean, I could go on and on. I'm not. Uh, of stories that, that happened, they're just blessings after blessings after blessings. Young people who took time off from their work, who who took their vacation time to go and spend to work in the lives of our young people. I love you folks. I love this church. I love everything that God is doing in us.
our midst. It's a good thing. Father, I want to thank you for everybody here. Thank you so much for the blessings. Thank you so much for the study of your word. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the time of prayer. Thank you for deaf ministry, Father, that, that we can have and reach people that we, I couldn't reach without uh, Jennifer here. God bless, Father, this church and every movement that you can um, that you see happening here, Father. May we be faithful to follow you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. I'll see you next week. Have a great, great week. Thank you.